There you go. Perfect. Not yet. There we go. All right. There we go. So, uh, Victor, uh, I'm, I'm glad to meet you. Where did you say you lived? Where are you from? Uh, I, live in, I live in Brazil. Brazil, that's right. I meet people from all over the place, uh, <laughs> but mostly it's uh, in the States. Uh, so, uh, is the place in Brazil you live in Eastern Standard Time the same as New York, or is it even uh, earlier than that? I think it's two hours later than New York, probably. Two hours later? So you're way up into the Amazon interior. Uh, no, uh, it's like uh, time zones are like, um, it's like west or east, so I'm, I'm more like I'm ahead of the... So you're more east of uh, on the map yeah, as a exactly. sunrise than New York. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Okay, so that means that your clock is two hours early. <laughs> yeah, correctly. <laughs> That's exactly okay. it. Okay. Um, so it's earlier in the evening for you. That's good. Um, so let us start at the beginning. The beginning is that the Buddha says that he teaches only one thing, and that is Dukkha Dukkha Naroda. Now, almost everyone who understands that puts their Western mentality on it and come up with Dukkha now, Dukkha later, Dukkha the rest of the year, Dukkha into next year, Dukkha, Dukkha, Dukkha. I'm really looking at the Dukkha. Whenever will we have Dukkha Naroda? Right. Okay. That's the way that Westerns see things. You got to die before you get to heaven. Okay. And okay. so we postpone our gratification. And what the Buddha's teaching is, is to take your gratification right now. And find ways of getting that gratification right now. Get the results that you are looking for right now so that you can uh, dwell in satisfaction, contentment, and all of that. So that first little teaching of the Buddha, Dukkha Dukkha Naroda, sums up the entire practice, and it's actually that easy. All right, and so that um, two, three word issue actually can be stated in many, many different ways, except that we never hear how noble and how royal such a teaching is. An example of that is the little songs and ditties like, uh, don't worry, be happy. That's the entire teaching of the Buddha right there. Okay. 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 <laughs> and and Goenka has a version. Never mind. Start again. That's the entire teachings of the Buddha right there. Right. Never okay. mind what happened. Come back to the to the breath and be here now. Yes. So okay. uh, this is the the way that we're looking at. How can we get our lives straightened out? Now, one of the things that I find quite amusing. Is, is that whenever Westerners hear about the teaching of the Buddha, they put the Buddha way up in the air. I mean, up there where Jesus is. Yeah. Like he's a space alien or something. Okay. <laughs> or at least on the top shelf of the, uh, uh, the bookcase 
you know, those really, really tall rooms that have high books and you got to get a ladder to get up to the books you're looking yeah, for, yeah. except that the ladder has no rungs. <laughs> no yeah, rungs to Jesus. Maybe no the next life to the TV, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that puts in exactly with, we've got to put up with Dukkha, and eventually there'll be Dukkha Naroto, which is where the Buddhas and the Jesuses and all of that crowd are. Right. Right. And uh, as if it were an accomplishment, because our society is very accomplishment-oriented. We're very goal-oriented, the society itself. Okay. And so in regard to the teachings of the Buddha, we turn that upside down in the sense that that the only goal that you need to have is to stop having goals. Because as long as we've got goals to fulfill, we've got to hup two, three, four, we've got to go chase it, we've got to be in, uh, uh, let us say, uh, victims of not having that goal. Okay. Okay. Etc. And so the whole teachings of the Buddha is just to say that goals are dukkha. And so the best way out of the dukkha is to stop having goals and enjoy the present moment the way that it is. So when the average uh, Westerner sits down um, in a chair, on a cushion, in a meditation hall, under a tree, in the woods, wherever he is, he starts thinking about the goals he's, he's going to meet while he is practicing meditation. Pretty much, yeah. I can definitely relate to that. <laughs> it's like, especially counting the minutes, you know, how, how many minutes you can withstand <laughs> meditation. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the, the mentality of the of the Dhamma was not translated well into the suttas in English language. That the English language version of the suttas is dead wrong in its intent and focus. And when we understand the original translators will understand why that happened because they were from Oxford, they were from England, they were professors of ancient languages, and somehow they thought that they'd run across a, a brand new Asian language. And okay. so they're translating it with all of these Christian terms that they have, rather than finding appropriate language. I mean, look, monk, nun, temple, monastery, oh, the list goes on, canon, um, chanting, So this just goes on and on and on. It's highly Christianized. And so we also Christianize the Buddha by making him special. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, uh, Asians do that, but they're not, uh, when when they, uh, let us say, bow and pay respect to the Buddha, it's not to the Buddha. It's basically the whole triple gem most importantly is not the Buddha or the Dhamma, the most important part is the Sangha, because without the Sangha, whatever the Buddha taught 2,500 years ago would have been long gone. Right. But it's been kept alive through the Sangha. Through its ups and downs, there has always been a noble element. That's one of the 
features that I like so much about it is that the teachings of the Buddha have never been lost and then recovered. They have always been there. Hidden away in the Asian community by a bunch of old monks sitting out in the woods, howling with laughter or just enjoying themselves about how stupid society is with all the lies that people are following when we can, in fact, just have a joy, just have a ball, live your life happily and comfortably, whether you're doing it howling with laughter or completely still, it's the same. It's good enough. Yes. Okay. So um, we can then say, well, this is actually a simple thing because you can do that right now. Talking to me, you can get my vibe, you can pick up on it, and you've got a big smile on it, and everything seems to be hunky dory right now. Okay. Why can't you have that often? Why can't that be your normal mode of living? Why is it that you get so driven? with these goals and things and people take things seriously. Okay. Yes. It's it's okay. more like habit. <laughs> it's a habit, but the habit was picked up from others. That you have one serious person come in and the whole crowd's going to get serious. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happens. <laughs> right. That misery loves company. When people get angry, they get angry in, with the intention of getting other people angry. When you get when you see or around a person who's angry, you are repelled from that anger and you either want to fly away from it or encounter it and fight back. So we, we there is there's instincts that we have that will trigger that fight or flight mechanism within us and the society would not operate without it. To get people always in the state, or let us say uh, often enough so that you can manipulate them, to keep people either in a state of wanting to run away because of their fear, or wanting to fight because they don't like what's happening. I mean, that's what the basis of politics are all about. Right. So the Democrats go around being terrified of the Republicans and Republicans go around being terrified of the Democrats. And both of them, both the parties are full of thieves who are willing to lie to you. Yeah, okay. That, that's a relief just to hear from somebody. <laughs> that, that there's well, a multiple. <laughs> If we understand it that way, then we don't have to get involved with it. We can say, wait a minute, I'm wanting something out of politics right now, and I don't have to want anything out of it. I do not have to want the uh, <laughs> Trump to be invited. I don't have to want uh, Putin to fall. I don't have to want this, that, or the other thing, okay? I don't have to want that. I could just enjoy the show. An awful lot of people already want Putin to fall. An awful lot of people already want Trump to be indicted. Whether I want it or not is not going to affect that show. I'm neither going to Russia or Ukraine, nor am I going to the United States to get involved with politics. Why should I bring Ukraine and Russia and Putin and Trump and all of that into my mind just to find something to worry about? Right. Yes. 
<laughs> so the Buddha recommends that we get away from that kind of world, that we stay with dukkha, dukkha, naroda, and find a way of coming out of the dukkha of society, out of our desires, out of our fears, out of our longings and anger, and just be satisfied with this present moment right now. That's really what it's all about. And okay. it, and the rest of the unfolding of the path is the, the Four Noble Truths. You got a question, go ahead. Uh, no, I, I was, I, I was gonna ask, you know, you know, the, the fear of scarcity of suffering in the future, you know, like you're kind of like suffering right now in order for you not to suffer like in the future. So like you're taking things seriously so that they just, you know, you're not in need in the future. I'm not sure that that's like a big hindrance, you know, accepting this mentality without the fear of what's going to help suffering. I don't know. It's kind of paradoxical. I'm not sure if you got my question. Well, you use the word suffering, and that's a very Christian word for dukkha. Okay. Okay, and as you can see, that the weight of the word suffering is big, it's hard, it's tough, it's like getting nailed to a tree. Okay. <laughs> and that the Buddha's teaching is all about coming out of that not just the big suffering, but all of it, all of our dissatisfaction, that in fact, dukkha is very well understood, translated as to be dissatisfaction, which means that all we need to do to come out of it is to getting ourselves into a state of being satisfied. <laughs> and keep doing that over and over again and stop going into that state of dissatisfaction because we are afraid or because we want something or because we have to put up with something that we don't want to put up with. And we do all of that stuff quite ignorantly that in fact, I've just now covered the second noble truth. So I should back up just a second and talk about what <clears throat> one point is, is that in the West, especially because of the atheism that has rebelled from Christianity, they get the idea that life is shit and then you die. But that's not true at all, that everyone clings to life. That's one of the main ways why we can keep people so afraid is because they cling to life itself. So life itself is not dukkha, it's very precious. In fact, life itself is so precious that it's the only thing that is precious. Being alive, because after you're dead, what does anything matter to you? What politician is going to be important to you after you're dead? What what uh, exchange rate is going to be good for you after you're dead? <laughs> what interest rate? You know, it's like, well, what about my car that's in the garage for these 30 years because I've been dead for 30 years? <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Here's that idea then, is, is that if we can understand really by direct observation, question asking and things like this, asking a lot of questions, doing a lot of investigation, we begin to understand what actually is important and what's not. 
because society is teaching them about all of this stuff that's important because it's important to somebody. They got to make sure that it's important to other people, too. This, in fact, um, Richard uh, Dawkins understood this in the sense of he called it a meme like a gene. OK, that we we infect each other with COVID, but we infect each other with bad ideas the same way. And this society is deeply, deeply infected with all kinds of lies. All kinds of memes, all kinds of uh, uh, things that we believe in, that if we investigated it deeply, we'd find out it doesn't exist at all. That in fact, the, um, uh, we would call the world that we've been taught from childhood is intuitive, but in fact, it's not. It's taught. It's just taught at an early age. We're actually going to get back to an intuitive life, a really intuitive life. And uh, in intuitive in the sense of we can see things directly the way that they are. Yes. OK, and so the, directly the way that they are living. I live in a paradise. I accept that I live in a paradise. You except that the paradise that you live in is a room and not a very good one. <laughs> Where in fact it's paradise. Yeah, okay. And we need to get in back because look, there's nothing to be afraid of in the room that you're in right now. There are no snakes, alligators, crocodiles, lions, wolves, elephants, politicians, cops, mobsters. There's nobody in that room at all to give us danger. So why would we want to bring any of that stuff into our mind when it's not even in the room? Okay. 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 Um, uh, I, I think it's also like th th there's a problem of not knowing what the consequences are going to be in the future. So it's as if like you don't know if there will be an alligator, a cop, a monster in the future. You're kind of like. Well, that's what you've been taught. The news is full of it. Oh my goodness, there's a huge alligator problem in and and uh, python problem in Florida, you know, and Florida's just next door. You got to worry about that too. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, All right. Or uh, actually, Brazil's got his. I don't think that Brazil has the python problem that Florida has because nobody took pythons as pets. Oh, no, I, I don't think pythons, maybe like other snakes, but definitely just some dangerous animals, and criminals, right. and, and just everyday life problems as well. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But we have been taught that things are dangerous. That, in fact, parents make life dangerous for children. That's how they learn to control them. Okay, yes. And if a child is raised kind of as a barbarian, letting him have any and everything he wants, like some princes are raised, they wind up being world-class assholes. Yeah. So there's some sort of balance in there that's needed in okay. the training of a child, but generally the population is overly trained. Okay. We're overly trained. Okay. We're overly socialized. 
That makes sense. Yeah, thank you. So, and so yeah. we we joined the army of humanity, and the you know the journals are out there saying up two, three, four, and they're also saying if you don't work, you don't eat. And yet, probably out of the eight billion people on planet Earth, about a billion of us don't work, and we eat fine. Maybe another billion could not work. And then maybe a third billion could not work. And everybody's just fine, just happy. Right. Gross yes. national product, I don't know how that's going to be. The price of oil, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. But the point is, is that people are caring about the wrong things. Right, yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, and why? Because the things that they have been caring about and get don't take the fear away. Success is not an antidote to fear. Unless we make it so. That in fact, as we, 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 uh, we believe that that's true. That's why people want to get to the top of the game, whatever game that you're playing. Yes. Not recognizing that everybody else who's playing that game wants to be the winner and wants to be on top too. So now the one who is winning is not safe. He's not secure. He's the target now. Yeah. Yeah. Even like possessions, like uh, they, they always generate Duca. Like the more you have, the mm -hmm. more you're free. The more you have, the more you want, and the more you got to take care of. And if you don't have nothing, you don't have anything to care about. You got no worries. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So there is a great deal to be said for not playing that game in the mind, because that's where we play the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's our thoughts that create our, our voices, that the mind is the forerunner for everything. And we need to learn to control that mind, especially the discursive thought part. Then, in fact, we'll get into that eventually. But right now we're looking at the fact that that dukkha is our dissatisfactions because we prioritize the wrong things. We think the wrong things are important. The only thing that's really important is being alive right now. And so everything that's happened in the past to you, no matter what it was, good, bad, terrible, disaster, heavenly, whatever it is, it's gotten you to the place that you are right now. So we can thank the past very much. Thank you, past. Goodbye. It doesn't exist anymore. It's dead. And yet we carry the past around with us in the form of our thoughts, our habits, and our rules, and things like that. So we carry the past around, but in fact, the real past is gone. Okay. Yeah, th th there's a problem of trying to, you know, take something from it. So, like, you overanalyze it in order for you not to make mistakes in the future. And, uh, you know, like, oh, what, what, what did I do in the past? How can I just avoid doing that in the future? And then you just keep getting stuck. Well, with the that's kid. very much like a rat that's trying to get to a piece of cheese that's in a box. And so we'll try this direction, we'll try that direction, we'll try that direction, we try that direction, and what we need to find out is, is that possibly this cheese is a trap. And we possibly would be better off without it. So why bother? That's a good point. Because it, it, it seldom really 
amounts to anything, you know, just going back, it, it just chastising oneself. It just mm-hmm. being guilty. And it's, it's as if like the guilt was going to set you free from mistakes as well, you know, kind of like, oh, oh, now that I feel bad, now, now I can just forgive myself for doing it, for mm-hmm. having done it. Right. So we just stumbled across again that issue of ignorance, that the word in Pali, ajiva, has several connotations, and most of us use the word ignorance, which means that we only use the frames of reference within the word ignorance. That, in fact, ajiva is better stated rather than not knowing into knowing not. Knowing not, which means knowing things that actually are not true. The delusional quality of it is often missed. So a better word for translating a jiva would be uh, uh, denial or delusion. Right. Okay. Okay. We are deluded. We are de- we're in a state of denial because we're not investigating to see what's really there. Okay. And so this is the reason why greed and ill will cause so much trouble is because we're doing it ignorantly. We don't see that wanting something that we don't have is dukkha. What we see instead is, is that, oh, I see that beautiful thing. I like it very much. It would be good if it happened often to have that beautiful thing close by. Therefore, what do I have to do to get that beautiful thing to stay close by and that Without it now, I'm incomplete. I would be better off if I had that which I want. So you see that delusional quality of error? The fact is, is that you're okay without it. But we create the delusion that we would be better off with it. And so here we go through all the trials, tribulations, struggles, and everything to go get that girl or whatever that we're wanting, the job, the house, the car, now that we've got it, we have to keep it. We have to maintain it. We have to make sure because I liked it in the first place, it's valuable to me. Now I have to work at keeping track of it. I'm, I'm and just, even so, with that, I'll eventually lose it anyway. And when I do lose it anyway, now I'll really suffer. I'm just realizing that it, it, it can be like, not necessarily material, but like reputation, like how other people think of you. That's also like something that you achieved and that you can be clinging on to and just really afraid of, you know, like having your reputation changed by a mistake. So I, that, that's like a good insight because you know, we usually talk about cars and houses, but also like like reputation, like how you're perceived by, by other people as well. Mm-hmm. So now we're beginning to understand what this dukkha dukkha neurotum means because once we can see things clearly, especially seeing that how painful it is to want things and how painful it is to want to get rid of things, uh, we can then drop a lot of that and come into the third noble truth, which is freedom from dukkha. Or the quality would be called sukha, then. 
and we could do this. All we have to do is just look at what's going on and recognize that I can do something better than that right now. I can drop that and just take a deep breath and relax. Whatever it was that I had on my mind is not that important right now because you're safe in your room, at least for the next 10 minutes. So let's not bring any dangerous thoughts in there into that safe room. Uh, usually when you're like trying to breathe and relax, like you're trying to stave off some negative thoughts, like how do you? I wouldn't call it staving off. That's the normal way of people thinking about it. Basically, you begin to accept those thoughts, but you don't give them, let uh, us say, their weight. They, you don't give them their due. You're recognizing what they are, but a lot of the problems that people have is not liking that they saw their liking and not liking. They don't like it, okay? This is what Goenka is talking about. When the mind wanders away from the breath, never mind, start again. We have to never mind those negative thoughts. Okay. Right? Don't get wrapped up in the uh, being negative about our negative thoughts. Okay. We don't become unwholesome about our unwholesome thoughts. We just say, never mind, let it go and come back and start again. And in fact, eventually we're going to be making friends with those things. That we have to accept our darker side. How are you ever going to be whole when you're in fact at, at war with your darker nature? Because it's always going to be there, right? <laughs> well, I didn't say that. <laughs> so long as there is a darker nature for you to fight with, it will stay. Okay, but it might become a friendly puppy or uh, an uh, an old dog friend, okay. just a companion, just okay. something that's there. Remember that it's dark because we called it dark because we don't like it, and we're doing that with ignorance. Okay, okay, got it. Okay, so we start looking at integration and wholeness. And that leads us in then to the Eightfold Noble Path, which, by the way, is not a path. It's one of the ways that people make a mistake. It's not a path because a path has the quality of being a path like a bicycle path or a footpath or a, uh, uh, a path to glory or a destination. To where, in fact, this is much more of a method. And we can say then that the method is like having a door right in front of us. And all we have to do is have the key, we put the key in, we turn the lock, and we push the door open. That's all there is to getting into paradise. Okay, that makes sense. And yet Western meditators have been, uh, let's say, Christianized enough in the culture to recognize, wait a minute, I cannot have my paradise right now. I don't deserve it. <laughs> And yeah. if I get caught in there, they'll punish me. <laughs> and I'm not even sure I've got the power to open that door. Do I have the actual gumption to push the door open? 
Like ever? Like yeah, yeah, that's true. Am I ever? Okay, gonna- well, those, yeah. That's the three P's. We have to have the power, permission, and protection. Because if we get caught in that room, we're protected. Because in fact, we're in that room. <laughs> so we are protected. But a lot of people say, oh, I couldn't go in there. My society tells me I got to up two, three, four. I've got to work. I got to do this. And all the belongings say I got to pay the bills and I got to do this, that, and the other thing. My life would fall apart. It would be terrible. What a disaster life would be if I didn't care so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an ignorant way of thinking, but that's how we, we've got it. So. The, the thing to do is to always watch, keep our eyes open and recognize what things there are that cause us dukkha. Okay. And then we can stop doing that. Right. Just stop. That that's possibly a major teaching of the Buddha. We see it in several suttas, but the one that's the most important in that regard is when Angulimala says, stop, monk. And the Buddha turns around to Angulimala and says, I have stopped. You stop too. You stop what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. So that's a major teaching. So whenever we get angry, the first thing to do is shut up. Stop. Okay. Got it. Whenever we see dukkha, the thing to do with it immediately is take the effort that it takes to stop it to come out of the cold, to come out of that mentality. Okay, so this is the way that we begin to understand the Eightfold Noble Path or the Eightfold Noble Method is is that there's only certain times when we can do that. What times are those? The times that we remember to do it. When we remember to come out of our ignorance and come out of our style, to come out of our destiny, out of our habits, out of our actions, out of our speech, and go right back to the mind, to remember to look at what's in the mind right now. And we're going to do that with discernment, because we're going to start uh, checking things in the sense of what do we want to spend our time doing? rather than because now we've been spending our lives and our time and our thoughts doing what we thought we should be doing. Which is all the rules. We're going to throw all of those rules out about what we should be doing and start having happy, healthy, wholesome thoughts instead. Not thoughts of projects and work to do and people to defeat and people to escape from and all of that kind of stuff. But rather, we're going to spend our time recognizing that right here, right now, we're okay. I mean, aren't you okay right now? Everything is good. All right, so get a load of that and recognize that you can come back into that state any time that you remember to. Because if you can't remember to do it, you won't. That's why sati is the important point on the Eightfold Noble Path, as well as if you've been around any Buddhism at all, you hear that word a lot. How about the satipatthana, anapana sati, noble right sati. And then also on the uh, seven factors of enlightenment, the sambhojana, there is sati. Unremitting sati means that we keep coming back and coming back and coming back to this present moment. We come out of the past and the future and other places and come to this place here now. Okay. 
Okay, so how many times do you think that your mind has actually, since we started talking, has left the room and gone someplace else? Because oh, I invited you to do so. I mean, we mentioned Putin, and so there an image of Putin comes up. We talked about Ukraine and Russia, and so there you have a map of all of that stuff. Okay, so this is what we mean is, is that the mind leaves the room often. And our uh, job is to remember to come back to the present moment, to be here now. Okay, that's what Sati is all about, to remember to come back to the present moment. Okay, because here the present moment is where the senses are. You cannot see last year's book. You cannot see what has not been written yet. You can only see that which your eyes are capable of seeing in the room. The way with hearing, you begin to pay attention to what your eyes are doing, what your ears are doing, what the body is doing, and all of that has to be done in the present moment. It cannot be done out in the past in the future only the mind goes to the past okay just just in by you saying that I can, I can, things are just sharper it just just than they were you know like you know like you can see my hands just like clearly just by you mm -hmm. saying pay attention to what your hands are doing they're here now you're alive enjoy the fact that right now that you still have your senses working and that we're still alive and that's all we needed from the past was to get us here. It's almost like taking a train to someplace, right? You take a train from Chicago to, uh, to, to New York. When you get off the train, do you pick the train up and put it in your bag and carry it with you? No, you leave the train. You leave it. You leave the past. You walk away from it. So this is how we're going to be practicing so that we remember to do that and we continue to practice remembering to do that so that we build the skill of remembering to come into the present moment. Right. And what are we going to do with the present moment then is that we're going to utilize it. We're going to use the eyes, use the ears, use the mouth and the tongue and the taste when it's appropriate. So when we're eating food, we pay attention to eating the food. We put down the cell phone, we put down the conversation, we put down the world and pay attention to the food that we've got in our mouth. Right, okay. That's the way of coming into the present moment. You'd be surprised what happens inside the mouth because before you haven't been looking at it, you've been just doing it automatically and swallowing the stuff almost because you're supposed to that we use food as both just entertainment and to fill the tummy so that we don't feel hunger anymore. Other than that, nothing to it, you see. So we need to start paying close attention to actually what we are doing. I mean, you could be eating a meal, the same meal, two guys sitting beside each other. They don't know each other. They're not communicating but one's really enjoying the same food, really liking it, tasting it, mm -hmm, and the other guy is absolutely miserable. Why? Because he's really not paying attention to the food. He's paying attention to whatever problems he came in with. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, so this is the way that we begin to understand is, is that everything has to be done right now, and the way that we spend the right now is in our senses. Okay. Okay, and we can also recognize that this thing called discursive thought is going to be there with us. 
And so we're going to start directing that discursive thought to put it in gear with what's happening in the present moment. In other words, instead of breathing in deep and long and breathing out deep and long while you're thinking about the fight you had with your grandmother, you're going to be breathing in long and thinking about breathing in long and think, oh, this is a good breath and begin to experience it. That in fact, while we are looking with our eyes, we're not thinking, we're looking. While we're hearing things with the ears, we're not thinking, we're listening. While we are um, enjoying a deep in-breath and watching that deep in-breath and feel the experience of that air coming in, we're not talking about it very much. But when we do start talk, let's start talking about what's happening right here, right now, because that's okay. And so we start thinking that way. This is what the Buddha means by gladdening the mind, brightening the mind. Take it out of the sewer that it just came from. Give it a bath. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, and we're going to be bathing the mind, not with dirty water, but with clean water. We're going to be giving it a bath with, so in order to make it bright and shiny. I mean, everybody loves their own car even more right after it's had a polish and, and, a, and a cleaning. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and yet nobody ever does that with the mind. It's like having the same car you've been driving around with and you haven't cleaned this darn mind for 30 years. <laughs> and it's got a lot of grime and road grease on it. <laughs> and so this is what we're going to do with Anapanasati is give the mind a math. Right now, what kind of thoughts do we have? Let's okay. take those unwholesome thoughts and change them into wholesome thoughts. And we do that all over and over and over again. This is all uh, quite repetitive. In fact, we talked about the entire teaching of the Buddha can be summed up. Well, guess what? On every uh, shampoo bottle that's in every store and all across the world, there is shampoo that has the entire teachings of the Buddha written right on the label or actually on the back. What is that? It's the instructions that end with rinse and repeat. Got it. That's okay. the entire teaching of the Buddha right there, to rinse and repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. All right. Okay. Yes, I, okay. I'm, I'm going to try to, and, and like, not feel guilty, like, one fails, right? It's like, guilt is not part of the equation. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, Bill, something that we did in the past, and look what he got us. It got us into bad feelings. Okay. So there's no reason for guilt. In fact, here's the thing. Let's look at the whole situation of guilt. Guilt is often because we rebelled against a rule. That if we had done what we were told to do, we would not be enjoying it. We would not get the benefits of our labor, but at least we wouldn't feel bad like feeling guilty. So guilt almost always is because we've broken some rule and almost always we break these rules out of rebellion for authority. You see, it, this is a very tight little circle. It takes a little bit to describe it, but guilt is actually the result of rebelling against a rule that we didn't like but we had anyway because we learned that rule when we were a child. 
the Tibetan the, the Buddha's method is, is that let's get rid of the rules. Let's drop all of these rules that we're so attached to. Because if you are not making yourself abide by any rules, then you don't go through that sequence of doing what you're told to do, not liking it, resenting it, rebelling, and then feeling guilty. You can see that sequence. Got it. All right. You have a rule. You do the rule, but you don't like it. Now that we don't like it, we resent it. Now that we resent it, we rebel against it. Now that we're rebelling, we feel guilty. That little sequence happens over and over again, and the place to cut it off is at the rule. Got it. Stop giving yourself rules or uh, tasks to do that you don't like doing. Got it. So if it's dishwashing, I mean, the rule is you got to wash the dishes. The point is, is can you enjoy washing the dishes or do you have to resent it to the point that now you find yourself stooped on the floor feeling guilty about the dish you broke because you threw it on the floor because you didn't like having to wash the dishes? Right. Yes. All right. So the thing to do is instead of breaking that dish to set the dishes down unfinished and go back and sit down and get your mind back into a glorious state with Anapanasati and then go back and do the dishes happily. Got Okay. That makes sense. Yes, it does, doesn't it? When we begin to look through this stuff, we can recognize that we get we get stuck in these habits and we got stuck in them in childhood. Okay, guilt starts in childhood and it becomes a pattern and a habit. And then it becomes your destiny. Got it. And we can change that one thought at a time. Got it. Um, so Murado, um, I'm, I'm not sure how you are with, with, with the time, but we, we can definitely have sessions, more sessions like later. I'm not... Because it, it's it's like midnight twenty here. Um, okay, all right. Well, I tell you what. Let's finish off by um, doing a review and putting it into context. What we've been talking about is the Eightfold Noble Path of the Eightfold Noble Path Method. Specifically, we're talking about Sati to wake up into being in the present moment. Number two, the investigation to look. That when we talk about right noble view, we're not talking about a viewpoint or a concept. We're talking about the ability to actually investigate, to actually look at what's going on with discernment. And then the next thing we do is that we take the right effort to come out of that. Now, in the beginning, the effort's going to be bigger that as we get this thing rolling, the effort's going to be lighter. But in the beginning, it's going to be hard. And a lot of students say, oh, monkey mind, oh, my mind is so hard and all of that. Well, recognize that we're doing that and come out of it and say, no, I can come out. I can come out. I can brighten my mind. I can do this. This is very much a success model. Okay, so let us end it with these three items on the Eightfold Noble Path, knowing that there's more to do later. Okay. That, right. that, 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 that was simply amazing, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I didn't even know I was going to be able to actually call you and like you pick it up, so I really, really appreciate it.
<laughs> There's nothing to it. <laughs> you had great big expectations about how important it was, and it's just not. It's just okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was definitely amazing. I, but but anyway, I do appreciate it. Like you, all the effort that you that you put in. There's a huge community. Like they all love you, and I, I, I also I also would like to extend my gratitude. And I will definitely try calling like other times, um, and hopefully you'll pick it up <laughs> again. Okay. Well, I I invite you to join that community. That if you want to find friends, find uh, noble friends, and yes. they're collecting together on Discord and uh, yeah, as well as Skype. <laughs> Whenever I had a problem, they were like, "Oh, you know, I need to talk to the Murado first, and I'll just have one call with him, and then like he'll understand." <laughs> But yeah, they're they're all amazing. I'm on Discord as well. Okay, great. All right, Victor. Well, we'll see you in about a week or so. Okay, you go practice okay. what we've been been talking about. That sounds amazing, Liberato. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Well, I don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> I'm just going to watch what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay. We'll see you later. Yeah. Bye, bye, Liberato.